experience the ripple effect. This is the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. A nonprofit organization established in 2007 to provide powerful leadership training to the youth of our communities. And now, here's your host, by board member, co-owner of Rapport International and certified trainer, Brett Johnston. Right, hello and welcome back to the Empowering Youth Podcast. I'm Brett Johnston. I'm Jeff Catano. I'm JJ Chanowski. And tonight we are very honored to have uh, Mike and Mesa Whitaker here with us to, you know, spend some time talking about the Whitaker story. And and the reason why this is so exciting and is because we've been prodding at Mike for a long time to get him on this podcast. Woo-hoo! Yeah, big daddy's <laughs> yeah. in the house. Yes. Yeah, and and anybody that knows Michael, he's he it really usually has a lot to say when it's time to say it, and often it doesn't really make sense. Um, he has a lot of uh, Mike isms, uh, but he he was gracious enough to take his time tonight to be with us, and I think it was because his daughter Mesa twisted his arm and just told him that's what he was doing. So Mike and Mesa, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. Thanks. Yeah, that uh, wasn't pushing back too bad for too many reasons. But I'm uh, honored to be here. Um, like the work that you guys are doing. Um, you're helping building Utah youth get its message out there to the masses. And it's a, it's a message that needs to be heard. You know, just a little backstory. So Mesa has been a part of the podcast in, in really instrumental and making sure that, you know, everybody's lined up and prepared and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that it's organized and we have start times and et cetera, and just been showing up in a big way, making the podcast happen and and making sure that the, the recorded podcasts are being released on time, keeping Jeff on his toes. Huh, Jeff? Yep. Yeah. So, so, and then, and then the neat thing about Mike is, you know, Mike was part of the founding fathers or founding group, if you will, of building Utah youth. Uh, original uh, people that sat in the room and, and dreamed up building Utah youth and what we were going to create, you know, way back when. So we're honored to have you again. And so we want to get dive right into this so we can help everybody see, you know, a little bit about who you guys are and feel a little bit about the journey you've been on. So you guys can start as far back as you want, but Mike, you're, since you're the senior in oh, the uh, relationship here, great hair. You get started. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So I, I was born in Brigham city, Utah. Uh, I'm a, uh, son of a construction family. I was raised in a uh, underground um, utility company. Literally was raised there. I played with trucks and things like that under my mother's desk while she did payroll and HR and all of those things and uh, gravitated from that into the shop to do some work with the mechanics. And through that, um, between working with the mechanics and working on the weekends with my father, that's uh, where I'd spend some of the time with my father was cleaning lift stations in North Ogden, painting things and doing things like that that needed to be done. And I, I got a, a taste for um, construction and it really was impactful upon me and uh, it has never left my veins, uh, including through my college years. Uh, when you say underground, uh, sewer and water okay. and uh, gas lines and things. Back then, it was all the things everybody takes for granted. Yeah, today. mostly deep wet sewers uh, was our forte, and uh, I got a real good taste for those growing up. What was your dad like when you were young, five, six, seven years old? Just curious on his leadership and how that impacted you. Oh, he was. Uh, um, he could uh, walk in a room and you could feel his presence. He was very sincere, very honest, very blunt. 
uh, at home. Um, he didn't tolerate a lot because he wasn't home a lot. He was building a business and doing a lot of that work. Uh, one thing that burns in my mind is uh, when I first started working in the shop, I worked for Delwyn Jensen, our uh, lead mechanic, and he was ornery, very ornery, and he loved having the boss's son under his thumb, and he took advantage. And I think he would have taken advantage. I've seen him take advantage of about everybody. I love the man to this day, but he was really hard on me. And I brought that home one night at the dinner table, and I brought it up, and I got lit up like a Christmas tree by my father at that dinner table. And it was basically, don't bring your relationship issues home to me to deal with because that's between you and Delwyn. And I suggest you go figure that out if you have a problem. And I got the message loud and clear that that stuff's not welcome at home. Those relationships are mine and that I needed to figure that out. And if that meant, uh, and to me, I internalized it and that just meant uh, almost kind of David Goggins-ish, but I don't even dare compare myself, but you can't hurt me. So whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And uh, I did some, I did quite a few crazy things that way. And uh, he took plenty of advantage and I allowed him to do so. And I'm grateful for it. I'm really grateful for the lesson he taught me. I've got really, really thick skin and I can take a beating like no other, literally, metaphorically, or whatever you want to call it. Um, he taught me a lot of that, and I, and I sincerely love that man to this day. Um, I still have a relationship with him. I appreciate what he did for me as a young man. And most people wouldn't do that. Um, they were afraid of my father. And they didn't realize that he gave me to the company. He gave me to Delwyn, and that's where I belonged. And I learned a lot of great lessons from that. So that was, that was interesting. My dad, uh, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time. However, I did notice uh, when I was running track and playing football, uh, he took time away from work and he was into photography and he's got a boatload of photos of young Mike running track and playing football. And that was kind of how he honored it. Um, and he took time out of his day to make those things when he could. And I, I appreciated the time that he did. And it was never an expectation that he made every single game. Uh, I know a lot of people in today's society, I have friends that talk this way that, oh, I didn't miss a soccer game. I didn't miss a football game or whatever. And that's unrealistic um, from the way I was raised and how I see the world because there's a lot of stuff going on. That yeah, that's, a, that's a big thing right now, Mike, is, is you know, everybody's focusing on holding that mirror up and asking themselves, how am I showing up? And, and if you look back one or two generations ago, the, what you're describing is absolutely accurate. That was most families, most families, um, the, the parents or especially the father uh, figure in the home, they didn't make it to everything. They didn't make it to very many things, but when they did, it was special. Yeah. And, and today it's, it's a whole different expectation. It's if you don't make it all of a sudden, you're a horrible father or you're a horrible mother because you didn't make it to something. And, you know, it's just very demanding, but it's definitely something that has shifted in the culture and we've created that. Um, a lot of it is though, when you talked about how you were treated working in the shop and now today you look at it as what a gift it was. Oh, absolutely. Right. It was a gift. And that's a lot of what we talk about here on the podcast. And because there's a lot of people standing in that fire right now, feeling like they're being taken advantage of, or somebody's mistreating them. And it's because they can't see the force for the trees. They really can't oh, it's see. True. And I would just challenge them to the effect of, uh, um, dig in, lean into the pain. Um, there is something good that's coming. And, and if that, 
results are just thicker skin. Um, definitely better attitude. You're going to gain respect. I guarantee you're going to gain respect. And that was something that I had to do. And I, and I believe that Delwin knew that, that I needed when I went out on the cruise, uh, that they would eat the boss's kid alive if I didn't show up big. And that really and set the stage that. for you, though. That was it the did. beginning. That was what's that was the footings, if you will. Yes. Or the underground for Mike. Mm-hmm. So you got to really, you know, build off of that. Where'd you go from there? Oh, it did. So, I mean, that was interesting because my bo- my dad literally tossed me to the wolves to be raised a little bit. And he knew he needed the help because he was busy. And uh, so from there, uh, you know, worked through uh, throughout, you know, high school and that I worked in the shop and then I uh, went out in the field when I was 18. Uh, one of my main objectives was to become a, one of the best pipe layers that they had ever had, or one, at least the best pipe layer I could be. And that was, I recognized quickly that that is the heart and soul of the crew. Um, that person that lays that pipe, if, if they have a bad day, it doesn't matter how many feet of trench you dig, it's not going to work. Uh, and that really occurred to me because I would recognize those bad days I would have and how I could recover from those. And, you know, that was awesome to work around the trades and to really make a difference and do, uh, do hard things with your body as well. And I would encourage all the youth out there, if you're given a chance and someone sees something in you and it's hard, do it. Put yourself into that. It's, it's going to be beneficial for you in the future because I can assure you that that same effort I put into being a pipe layer, I have to put that and more into being the CEO of a large company. It works in the office as well as it works in the field. And, and those um, opportunities happen when you're young and your body can take it. And for the parents out there, let, oh. your, let your kids do tough things. Let them get mm-hmm. dirty. Let, let them get some you know, grime under their fingernails and come home smelling like diesel fuel or, oh, or sure. covered in mud. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, we, well, Jordan Peterson, right, kind of mentions out that, that we, we learn by doing dangerous things safely. And the more often that we do that, the better we get. And so, you know, um, I, I helped uh, put myself through college um, by working in the construction trades. And I can assure you that was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. And it was like bookends. I would be really tired at the end of the summer of using my body. Been working really long hours, really hard jobs, um, strenuous opportunities there. And it was nice. It was like a vacation to go to college. Uh, all I had to do was read books and take tests and do things like that. And that was, that was really nice. However, towards the spring, end of the spring, boy, I hated reading books and taking tests. It was time to go back to work. It was time to use my body. So I would attack that with vigor and, and it, it just kept me going back and forth. It was exactly what I needed. And it was, uh, um, helped me propel me through that, um, college career, um, while I was in college, I was fortunate enough to join a fraternity, uh, Sigma Chi. I am a Sigma Chi to this day, and I will be until it's chilled waters dampen my feet. And it taught me. He's always been proud. I love yes. you. And, we're proud <laughs> before, yeah. and it taught me leadership. It did. Unfortunately, um, at the university levels, they'd like to tell you that they can teach you leadership. They cannot. It is impossible to teach leadership in that capacity and in that setting at the fraternities and the sororities across the street. Uh, you got a lot of people that are there um, that are the same age. We don't know what we're doing uh, yet. We're not going anywhere. So when I would have conflict and, and I've spoken to this and I call them, I'll, I'll be PG here. 
um, jerks from New York uh, and Chicago because I had a chance to be around some of those people. And I had a chance to be the house manager. Um, so I got a chance to get people to do house duties, right? Toilets and urinals, bathrooms, etc. And it was a tough job. And I found myself in conflict a lot with people and specifically with people from those big cities because they just come at such an obtuse angle on things that is painful. It's almost a completely different culture. Oh, it, yeah. it feels that way. And I've got some dear friends from, from the East. Yeah. They're, oh, and yeah. love them. Yeah, absolutely. You have to wonder what they're thinking. They tell yes. you. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's no guessing. Uh, so initially it's really a shock yet after you work through it and you realize I'm not going anywhere, neither is he. Then we start to figure out how do we get that compromise? Uh, I found quickly that I needed to stiffen up and simultaneously I was helping them chill out. It's okay to come from a different angle than that all the time. Well, and growing up in Brigham city, you had, you definitely had some chill out. Well, there's some chill out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The permed mullet was, uh, That's, the, it's back in style by the yeah, way. Yeah. You got a permit though. You can't just let us hang out there. I have to show you diesels when we get done tonight. Awesome. Yes. So those things, uh, I had a great learning experience and I use that to this day, you know, and some of the, um, principles around the, the fraternity, um, you know, one of the things that resonated with me was uh, friendship among members of different temperaments, talents, and convictions is superior to basically, and I can't quote it all, that similar people, right? So if we're different, there's going to be friction. And friction is our friend. Shows up at some of the damnedest times, yet it is our friend. It's what we do with that friction. Um, so I oftentimes find myself looking for that person that's different. Um, sometimes it gets really awkward with me. I'll sit in a group of people that sometimes none of them speak English. Uh, I speak a little bit of Spanish. Um, gets a little awkward at times because uh, anybody that speaks Spanish and speaks a little bit, you start talking a little Spanish and boy, they jump on you and speak it really fast. And it's like getting, they want to outrun you. Oh, they do. And uh, yet it's, it's awesome to, to be around people that are different. Uh, it makes life interesting. It's more uncomfortable for sure. Yet I find myself looking for those uncomfortable opportunities all the time because they create a better me. Uh, they create the opportunity for um, disagreements, for conflict, for learning. Quite frankly, I get better because I learn something different and new. And I really put that back to those kids from Chicago and New York that were in that fraternity that I had to figure out how to work this thing out. I mean, you're, you're a young guy and that was a long time ago. Yeah. And it was a very short amount of time. It was. Yeah, seemed it like a long at, time there. It yeah. seemed, seemed like an eternity then, but it, it really did, again, continue to shape and mold Mike. Oh, absolutely. It shaped and molds Mike to the point that that's how I interact with people. I find myself constantly in that. I find some of my team going, hey, where are you, what are you doing sitting over there? You're supposed to sit with us. Um, yet I go rogue, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, some of those habits and behaviors and, yeah. and, and a lot of the insight that you have, again, young age. Oh, young age came out of that and emanates from that. So uh, you, again, push yourself in those opportunities uh, to get a chance to, to participate in something bigger than yourself, which was that fraternity experience. Frankly, it kept me in school. Um, maybe I wouldn't have graduated had I not joined that. And I know there's a lot of uh, attacking of the fraternities and the sororities and they're all bad and this and that and the other, and you need to pay for your friends. And it's nothing farther from the truth. Uh, it's a, it's, it's common language 
uh, common ground that you're working on and tons of room for conflict. You know, what, what's striking me is you have two stories so far since we started the podcast and both of them are get out there, figure out your conflict, figure out your strife. You know, both of them, whether it was your dad with the first job or if it was the fraternity. Yeah. And today it's a big, big deal for parents to remove their kids from conflict or to get in the middle of the conflict instead of allowing them to figure it out, deal with it. And and with that being said, big picture, when Mike, when I'm gone, when Brett's gone, when Jeff's gone, are your kids going to be better or worse? So, well, they haven't experienced it. They don't know. Yeah. If you're as an adult listening to this, are you helping your child or are you enabling them? Something to think about. Oh yeah. And sometimes the help comes with a cold shoulder and you can figure that out. And, you know, just like Mason's over here shaking her head. Yep. Yeah. There was some, she got some cold shoulder um, and she got some thick skin too. I'm better for it though. Mm -hmm, You are. So you, you, you complete college. So I complete college. I uh, go to work. Uh, I'm at the construction company. I, uh, they put me on a project up in Bellevue, Idaho. We were doing a whole sewer system in there. Uh, when I returned from there, I was a project engineer on that project. Uh, came back. Uh, they, they moved me into the office as an estimator. I met my mentor, Bob Phillips. God rest his soul. Uh, one of the greatest men, um, frankly, that I've had the privilege of working with and spending time with. And he took me under his wing and um, similarly did things just like my father did, uh, would set me up uh, on different things for those lessons and go over and say this to so-and-so and and then come back. And he knew exactly what was going to happen. It was going to blow up in my face. And then we would talk about, oh, wow. So what did you do when he turned around and started yelling at you? And we'd have a discussion and debrief what went down and, and he was just so instrumental in, in, in getting my, gaining my understanding on an office level because coming from the field of the office is really complicated um, to get that understanding. And he did a great job of that. And I, I recall vividly in our office, he came up to me one night, uh, we were working late and he said, Hey, you know, it's uh, two years into your five years of training. And I would like to welcome you to your fifth year. Uh, here we go. You're on. And I guess at that point, that really pointed out some of the stuff to me that life does just frankly show up on you yet. If you're giving enough and if you're showing up and paying your debts and your dues, um, people recognize that you're ready even when you're not. And that door will pop open. You may not have had all the skills. Oh, I definitely didn't have the skills, but but I brought the energy and I had the drive and he recognized it. And all I can figure is it was just how I showed up and I showed up like I did in the field. I didn't know anything different. Uh, I, I just brought it with a calculator and a computer. I don't know. Well, we kind of had some computers, Lotus one, two, three. It was awesome. And, uh, He's dating himself. yeah, yeah. So we, we were doing spreadsheets then and, and, and I understand it. That must've been where Chalet came into the picture, the spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. She added into that show. Yeah. Yeah. And I did, I, you know, so that was, that was a great experience at the, at the company learning those things and gaining that ability and understanding. Uh, and, and I had a strength because I came out of the field. So I knew what 300 feet a day meant and I would struggle bidding to certain numbers he would want me to bid to because I, my mind knew that you couldn't do it. Yeah. We can't get or that. Here. That's a, that's a heavy lift. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yet we, that's where we take risk. 
right? We've got to be risk takers uh, and they're not going to always turn out our way yet. Uh, the more we put ourselves out there, the more opportunity we have for them to go our way. Uh, so expose yourself to that. Uh, that's, uh, that's something that's worked for me and it takes a ton of energy. That's for sure. And that's what it sounds like he's talking about Chalet now. Yeah. Oh, as far as Chalet. Yeah. Does, my wife yeah. Chalet. It does, so it does the, the whole risks and the energy oh. and the, yeah. Right. That, that just, he never yeah. said pillows, <laughs> pillows. Yeah. She's the pillow queen. Uh, so I met my wife, uh, Chalet. Um, she's from, uh, Rupert, Idaho. I gotta be really specific, not Burley Rupert. And there is a I, difference. Big time. Yeah. I met her at Utah state. Uh, she was an alpha Chi. And uh, we did a little uh, fundraiser and uh, we used to do a Chippendales thing and um, some little dance and stuff. Yes, you could do that back in the day to raise money for charity. And we did. And we made good money and had fun um, together. And it was uh, an interesting mix uh, during that period of time. Uh, historically, the Sigma Chi's and the Alpha Chi's did not get along. So it was really improbable that we met because there was undertones in both houses that, that we just didn't mix we were dirt and water for some reason that era we were thick as thieves and it was amazing and i was grateful for the relationships that we had with those women and the fact that uh, i got to know my wife while i was in college and um, ultimately yes we we finally got married and we we started in a uh, double wide trailer in wellsville utah and uh lived happily ever after the end oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that was that was our struggle that's where we had our first our first baby our first child there and uh and it was not the nicest double wide on the planet yet um we called it home we figured it out we made it work Uh, by the time we moved and had uh had gauge uh, we finally bought our first home in river heights and that was uh um, a big step with a big mortgage and a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress with two kids and, and a job and a wife that uh, did not want to be home. Um, she was conditioned. She's an only child um, raised by a type A mother who's a wonderful, wonderful person, yet uh, she was expected to go become a lawyer or something on her own along those lines. And, and you know, it was tough. I, I took that away from her in a way. Uh, when we got married and have had kids because it was super necessary for her to be home with those kids. And we struggled a lot with that. And uh, through that struggle, I think it was the, the kids were in grade school one day and she was home and she got a phone call that uh, she needed to come to the school now. And that was a day that she cammed over and she um, realized the value and the importance of being a stay-at-home mom, what that meant. Otherwise, that would have been a horrible thing to do. And I'm not saying that, that people shouldn't work. They all should work. Yeah, that was a very very influential time in, our, in my children's life. And I was building a business still. And I'm grateful that she uh, made that sacrifice um, for me and for those kids. And they're better for it. Uh, I'm better for it. And so are we, generally speaking. I get to hear from a lot of you know, stay-at-home moms and dads, you know, often, often anymore, there are a lot of dads that are stay-at-home dads and, and um, there is a lot of self-talk and conversation that happens and often they start to lose themselves and, or their purpose is begins to be so tied up in the kids. And what happens is the kids grow up quick. And then when the kids grow up, then there's a 
general lack of purpose that exists. You know, what do I do? Who am I now? You know, I, I bypassed, I bypassed all my career growth to be here and do this, which I firmly believe is, is the most challenging and important role on the planet. But they do those things and then they're kind of left in this no zone, this space, if you will. Oh yeah. So were yeah. you ready to, to buy that home and, and move and move and, and take on the mortgage? Was it something you felt like you're ready for? You guys just did? Yeah, I was really ready for it. I was tired of being in the trailer park and I uh, was wanting to move on. Um, and it was a, it was a new home um, other than it was tough staring at that mortgage and recognizing that. And I really had to buckle down and money was tight. Um, took a lot of my energy and I recognized uh, quickly that the impact that I was having on the company uh, what was going to be relative uh, to the impact it was going to have on my family. And I, I took that really serious. And, and I, I basically have two families. I have my family at home and I have my family within Whitaker Construction that I get the uh, blessings to work with. And uh, it's worked out really well. And quite frankly, that came from, you know, frankly, my father, you know, he was, he was the patriarch, you know, certainly of our um, own family yet he was the patriarch of that company he set it on on a on a on a track that uh, was easy for me to follow i have some of his habits some of his mannerisms and see things that he would probably see i i find myself often in spots of his where i'm like okay there's two hoses that go from these two spigots and i don't have a hose here yet and when i pull the door back I know there's a hose somewhere in the room and there's a hose that's the exact length between these two spigots um, because that's who he was. And uh, it's awesome to, to kind of think like that, especially when I'm in his space because I can navigate it and it's not a whole burden for me. Uh, my brother sometimes struggles in that capacity, but not always. Uh, so, you know, you know, great messages there, you know, with the, as far as pushing into your work and into your family, you know, I, I, I would say probably one of the deals I think we probably all get a little bit is a little regret. I felt bad that I didn't show up. I didn't feel like I was at times showing up as much as I needed to for my family, for my kids. Um, however, I, uh, in that capacity, I had a friend that moved back to Logan and he set up a deal where he brought to the point that um, I don't remember doing anything. This is my buddy, Dan. I don't remember doing anything with my dad as a kid because he was always working. And he's like, I'm not going to have my kids ever make that statement. So he set up a standing deal with our kids and um, all of our friends called mommy's night out. So every Wednesday night we would meet and do something with our kids. So you and your buddies and your kids, um, we got plenty of eyes on them. Um, and we would go play kickball. We would do crafts. We would go swimming, hated swimming because I was a buoy and I just had kids hanging on me in the pool. Not a lot of fun by the way. Uh, yet we it still was really, really fun. <laughs> I'm like, Mesa's not agreeing with you. This is like something that she absolutely loved. Yes. And they did too. And it got to the point where Wednesday afternoon, the phone would begin to ring and it was the kids calling, Hey, what are we doing? Hey, can we do this? Can we do that? Uh, and it really made a big difference so that every week there was, um, quality time that we spent together. And it was fun because we spent it with, um, my friends and their kids, right? We all have that connection. Uh, now we're marrying them off. And they're all pretty well raised. And I've got additional nuclear kids that are, you know, all over the country now that, that mean an awful lot to me that I played a small role in raising them as well. 
And so if you get a chance, do that. And of course, it's mommy's night out. So mommy gets to do whatever she wants, which is That's also a great idea. Yeah. Big time. Awesome idea. I was grateful that he did it. Yes. So that, that helped give us some quality time. And then along came Mesa. All right. All right. Before that, though, with Mommy's Night Out, it gave me a great experience with just father figures. I was talking with Brett about this earlier is if anything ever happened to my dad, I think, man, like, what would I do? And I have all I have several different men that would show up for me in ways that I know would make my dad so, so proud. And so that gave you that. And then it gave me lifelong friends, two of which uh, mommy night, mommy's night out group went to TLB with me. So, um, to this day, they are as close as siblings as to me as my own siblings. So definitely need to do that. Yeah. Uh, highly encourage it. It's uh, good on both sides. Well, all three sides, really. It's a win, win, win. It was really a daddy's night out. At times it was. Yeah. It was. M- mommies probably were things. like, yeah, we're just going to sit here in silence. <laughs> yeah. At times or do what we normally do. I, I was disappointed at times that Shalee did not. She just, she would clean or do something to help catch herself up instead of it, get a massage. It, yeah. But it feels great for them. I mean, yeah. you have to, you know, from a chin up, right? Yeah. Chin up. Yeah. They, I mean, just that peace and quiet and just getting themselves put together and organized is everything. It is, you know, and then, uh, you know, along those lines, um, certainly, you know, that being part of the story, um, you know, we, I have three children, um, we, you know, have sent them through this training, all of them, um, with varying degrees of influence that it's had on them. And that's just life. Uh, some get it, but yet they've all been impacted by this training and, uh, the training literally, uh, my, uh, my opportunity to get into this was I, I was able to go to LB1 in, uh, 2007 and it uh, had a huge impact on my life to where I recognized that I needed to be the spark to ignite some things. Who sent you, Mike? Just curious. Chad Swanson did. Um, a great, very grateful and in debt to that man. Um, it, was, uh, it was awesome. They were doing a lot of that there. And I went and uh, on the way back, debriefing across the desert with Chad, um, they'd already began building Utah Youth. And uh, he quizzed me about do you, would you be interested in supporting the youth feeling like you feel right now? And it was a resounding yes. If, uh, you know, and, and I speak to this um, a little bit that, you know, if I feel the way I feel today about myself when I was 16, would I be in the same place? You know, I, I'm not in a really bad place. So I'd like to say, well, I hope, I hope so. It's a pretty good place yet a lot less stress and anxiety and neurotic behavior. I guarantee I would have had a lot more friends that were girls than I do to this day. <laughs> and that kind of sucks. I, I missed out on, on some probably really cool people and they missed out on a really cool guy. Um, and we could have had a lot of fun together yet. I was just, it was that whole, you know, hormones, blowing through your system and screwing up your thought processes to where I couldn't speak to a pretty girl and they were all pretty. Right. And yet it was, uh, you know, to think about that. And if we could pass that gift on to my kids or to your kids or someone's children and how much better off is the world going to be if they're good with themselves and they're able to have those, 
those conversations with each other and get through some of those awkward times, frankly, because it's just flat awkward to be a teen. And this training helps salve that over and helps bridge some of that to where you don't have to be that awkward. It's okay to be you. It's okay to be a little quirky. We're all, we all have that going on. And that's actually part of the special sauce. It's part of what makes you interesting. It's why people hang out with you is because, you know, you have a tick or you have a little something going on that's your little left to center, and then people gravitate to that. So Mike just describes himself at 16. <laughs> I, love right? I love it. I love it. But, I'm, but I'm, I'm thinking about Mesa at 16 and, and going, you know, there was a 180 that happened. Powerhouse yeah. is when I think of Mesa. <laughs> oh, you know? absolutely. Yeah, she, was, she raised herself almost, I swear. <laughs> I mean, well, uh, Mesa was the baby. Yeah. So she had definitely had pl- plenty of people want to tell her or show her or be the example in all kinds of different ways for her. Oh, big time. I also was the daughter of Mike Whitaker. So that's some pretty big shoes to follow, I would say. So. So do you feel the same way, Mesa? You know, Mike explains his dad <laughs> now. How do Where you, I'm at? Yeah. How do you explain Mike? Oh, I have, growing up, if growing I could up. explain my dad, it's so funny. He, I always told him he was my second very best friend in this world. And the first was his mom. And, uh, he just has this energy to him. People gravitate to my dad and it's because he owns his stuff, regardless of what it is. He's okay with not being this perfect person because he rather have somebody understand him and know him and love him for that than something that he's not. And growing up, I saw this powerful man that was willing to sacrifice so much time with me, with my mom, um, with my, my brother and my sister to give us a future that he could be proud of. And when he talks about his dad, I see the exact things with mine is he is a giver till the day is dark. He will give until he has nothing else. And to anyone, he's, he's just a lover. And, um, yeah, I was thinking about your dad when you were talking about, he owns his stuff. And first thing that comes to mind is there's no one on the planet that's going to be harder on Mike than Mike. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We've all seen that. And seeing how he shows up, I remember being young and just thinking, man, he makes a difference and people look at him different and I want to be able to have that impact on people's life. And I am so lucky to have him as a father and I hope he knows that he's my very best friend and he knows everything about me, probably too much at this point in our life. Um, but yeah, and he, he spoke to it a little bit earlier is growing up, he would wake up, I mean, five, 6 a.m. before we were up for school and then he'd get home at seven or eight at night. And he, we've had this conversation several times that he feels that he missed things and he, he hurts that he wasn't there for everything, but my memories, he was there for everything because when he was there, he was a hundred percent there, heart, body, and soul. I mean, whether it be at the football field, I'm, he wasn't on his phone. He wasn't distracted. He was there to cheer me on and he made it known that he was there. And so, yeah, there's, I guarantee there's times that he wasn't there, but I didn't feel it because he showed up big when he was. Yeah, I'd like to Talk about wow. that point for a moment because it's profound what you just said. Um, and I, I think, Mike, about you back to your dad when he when he'd show up and you no know, pre cell phones, right? 
So when our parents showed up, they were there, they were present. There was nothing to really distract them at that time. And today, so many parents are there physically, but they are not, they are not present, right? They're not emotionally there, you know, and they're not, it's like they don't even remember what they just were there for because they were distracted by their cell phone, emails, following up from work, you know, got to get in these last few things, even though I'm physically here, I showed up, I made it to your game, but I have no idea what happened. Don't show up just to get credit. Show up so that you can have that conversation. And and quite frankly, don't show up and have a conversation with your youth about what happened. Uh, That's what I would do when I couldn't make it to those opportunities. And um, wow, what an experience to see that kid light up in the face about this cool thing happened and they get to relive it while they tell you and you can get excited as well with them. Uh, So that's a way to just do a debrief on something that you've missed and actually you get better credit for being there when you do a debrief than you do when you're on your phone and you can't remember what happened and uh, it works. I found it to be very effective. Well, and it's very interesting to think back because when I was younger, I didn't think about finances at all. Um, You know, you, you shouldn't when you're young and we're a single income family and I never once had to think I wasn't going to be able to be a part of this club. I wasn't going to be able to play this sport. And that was credit to both my mom and my dad is my dad was out there grinding and, you know, he said using his body and really um, making an impact for Whitaker construction. And my mom was taking care of us, which sometimes I think is a lot more taxing than agreed than being um, out at work. And they both, really sacrificed a lot for us. And I look back and I had this conversation with my dad that my friends, when I, in high school, things were different and where my dad's role was with the company. Um, financially, I think I couldn't tell you we were better off. I don't know. Um, but my friends always were like, Oh, well, like it's different. And I, I'm like, no, it's not my, I mean, my dad worked his tail end off to get to where we are now. And it always was so frustrating because I'm like, you don't know what he did or didn't do and the sacrifices he made and the decisions he had to make, your parents didn't or they couldn't. And I have so much love and um, I look up to him so much for that. And I wish, I think people need to realize that it's not always that easy showing up and working really hard. And I'm sure there was a lot of days where he would have much rather been by me, letting me talk his little ear off. But um, yeah, he showed up big for us and it made the difference in the long run for me. So do you remember giving Mesa the gift to send her to class? I do. I do. It was, it was fantastic. I'd look forward to it for years, literally. And she was honestly a rapport baby. I mean, when I went, I sponsored 18 coworkers and I was going to Vegas to pick them up sometimes twice a week. And so I was drinking the juice and I was on high for, um, literally about a year of that to the point where my wife hadn't gone and she gave me a thousand reasons why she hated rapport, right? Cause she wasn't going to go find herself in the desert. Um, I got that conversation one day in the garage. And I can, I, the, the only reason we're laughing is just, we can absolutely see this. Happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I earned it uh, a little too hot. Uh, yet, uh, that, that had that. Yeah. Where else in your life does that show up? Well, Mike? Lots of places. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need to chill a little bit. Uh, so, I mean, she was already kind of a rapport baby. And I can, I, I can recall one instance uh, that will kind of show this is that I was out, I'd always do Christmas lights on, on the trees. Like all the branches and stuff would take me hours and hours and hours to do it. 
And I was out there with my earbuds in. I was doing a deal. And Mesa came running out. And she's, so you get down on one knee with your kids. You get down on their level. So I got down on her level. I popped my earbuds out and made some eye contact. Said, what's going on? And she proceeded to begin to tell me about this great thing that happened in her day. And I imagine she was, I don't know, seven or something like that. I could do it in height. I can't do it in age. Uh, so she was, while she was talking, it was awesome because we were out in the front yard, right, in the daytime. And, and while she was talking, I could see her, like, locking down as she was getting to the end of her sentence about, I had this and I had this test. And, and she's, she's compressing herself into the ground like a spring, and as soon as she said it, um, we both leapt in the air and danced around in the yard and squealed. And as quickly as she showed up, she was gone. And there I was standing alone in the front yard going, wow, that just happened. And the only reason that happened, I believe, was because of the rapport that was pulsating through our house. And she came out for, for a victory lap. So all she needed. And she knew I was busy and she was out of there. And, uh, you know, that was awesome. So I'd been yearning based on that experience to, to get her into the training. And, uh, when that happened, I'll tell you, I was a little bit concerned when she went with, um, the other two boys that she went with that were the mommy's night outer kids, because, you know, I, I want, you wanted her uncomfortable and you were afraid she was going to be comfortable. I I was concerned about that. And and teens are just different than adults for sure. Yeah. It did not show up. They had a great experience and, um, you know, of course it was, um, two of the mommies night out dads whose sons went and it was a, a phenomenal experience for them. That was quite um, a span then be- between the incident in the front yard and oh, when yeah. she went. Oh yeah. There was a, a number of years that, that had passed since then. Because you probably went what, 10, nine, nine, 10 years ago to class. 10 years. 10 yeah. years ago. So, so talk about your experience from, from yourself. So growing up, I was a tomboy. I, by choice, would wear my brother's hand-me-downs. Um, I loved to go hunting with my dad. I, any sport you would put me in, I'd play. Um, and then, you know, growing up, I was still involved in sports. And so by the time I was 15 and I was ready to go to uh, the training, I was kind of more girly at that point. I got ready every day and... Um, love sports and things like that. But when I, when I went, I was like, I am a rapport baby. I've got this. This is going to be easy. That's what I thought. And I went in thinking, you know, I have this dad that lives, breathes rapport. And so I've got this, I've got this in the bag and I have my backpack. He drops me off. And I remember the first thing I did is I was like, I am going to meet, know everyone's first name. That's what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and I'm going to meet everyone. So I walked around and I got everyone's first name down. It felt pretty good. And then boom, they say, good evening. You will now respond to each other as Miss and Mr. Last name only. And I was like, you are kidding me. I took all that time, first whole hour to just know everyone's name. And so now I know their first and last name. (laughs) Um, And then so I thought that was bad. And then right out of the gate after that announcement, they announced that Miss Whitaker will be coming to class 10 minutes early. And that's when I figured out this training isn't a dip your toe in the water type of training. It's jump head first in the deep end. And I was the sacrificial goat for the day. So I found out really quickly that it wasn't going to be as easy as I had anticipated, um, which was fun. 
And you were thankful for that. Oh, I was so thankful. It was rough at first. And I was excited. Everyone went in and they're like, oh, I'm so mad to be here. And I'm like, oh, I'm not. This is good. Like, I'm ready. I got this. And then after that first little process, I was a little bit shaky in that answer again. Uh, but going through, I found this uh, right out of the jump for the sake of time. We had a really diverse group. We had, I mean, the Weber High football team, a couple band kids, um, the people from my mommy's night out group, the FFA, like you name it. And then there was me. And the person that I uh, kind of got me through the training was the president of the FFA, the exact opposite of me. And I remember her name's Kasten. And to this day, I love that girl. And in that training, she was so supportive. And I realized how much in my life do I look at someone for what they like or what they look like? I mean, she was wearing Wranglers and I'm like in shorts. And I thought, I mean, there's nothing that we could have in common. And I was so wrong. It, it's not about what our interests are. It's about how we show up for each other and how we value each other. And that was, I mean, right out of the gate, I found that out. And I was like, wow, I wonder where, where else I haven't given people time that could have impacted my life so much more and where I could have impacted their life as well. And so that was, was pretty cool. Who was your instructor? No, no, Mr. McKinney. Yeah. Yeah. Another bald guy. Those bald guys are really good at this whole training thing. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. And so we go through the process, um, day one, feeling good, having my letters, um, day two. So the last night you're there, there is this process, um, that's super special and you get these letters from special people in your life and they do it. So, uh, casually, you don't even know it's coming. And I remember, um, there was this kid sitting next to me and for sake of his, um, just to keep him anonymous, he, um, we open our letters and I have one from, you know, my parents, my sister, um, my brother just telling me all these wonderful things and how they feel about me. And it felt great. And I missed him. Oh, I missed him so much at that point. And, um, I was, this kid sat next to me and then there was a football player and he was like, Oh, line, big old boy sitting next to me. And this kid opens his letter and he's the class clown of the group he's taken everything really breezy. Like it was all very easy for him going through this training. There wasn't a part where you could see kind of struggled and we're over 24 hours in. So, I mean, we've all struggled. I struggled through a lot of processes and he opens this letter and it brings him to his knees. And I obviously, I'm like, I just want to hold him. I don't know what to do. I just wanted to be a sponge and take some of the hurt. And he had opened a letter from his mom that he hadn't seen in over several years. And, um, what an impactful thing. And they actually had to pull him outside cause he was tr um, crying so hard that he couldn't breathe. And I remember we're all, I mean, the football players are sobbing, I'm sobbing. Um, and I was lucky enough to get, we got to go out there and I wanted to make sure that he knew we were there to support him. And, um, it made me realize that you really don't know what people are going through. I mean, he, he was breezy the whole class. Like he made it all look easy. And to know that he had such a hard thing in his life and not one of us knew and how much of an honor and a privilege it is to get to know people so deeper and respect them and love them for it. Um, it was one of the, that was just huge for me to be like moving forward. I'm not going to look at people for what they like and um, how they dress, how they and dress and, and yeah. or if they show up and they look happy because you don't know what people are going through and, 
man, I hit the jackpot with my family. I mean, I have parents that are still together that act like they're dating. I mean, yeah, they have their little tiffs occasionally about pillows, but they love each other. And I've, you know, I've got really good siblings and I, I take it for granted a lot because it's not, it's rare to have that now. And I'm so grateful for it, but I'm really grateful for being able to learn from people that have different experiences from me and know how lucky I am and be better for it. You know, a lot's happened in, in your lives in the last decade. No, oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about this before we started tonight, but it, I mean, it, uh, so much has happened, right? Oh, just in the last two years. Is and, and that's, that's really what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted Mesa to spend just a few minutes kind of talking through, you know, coming through high school. Cause I remember a lot of that time of coming through high school and then getting out of high school and then really starting to adult, you know, and then there's just been a lot that's happened. Yep. Um, and spend a few minutes talking about that. Okay. I do want to explain my one experience. So going through a poor, um, you, a lot of people will ask you like, what is it like? What did you, what did you get out of it? And I'm a big podcast listener. I love Ed Milet. Um, he's been great to listen to now. And he speaks on going through trials and hardships. And once you come out, you're introduced to your other self. And that was my first taste of finding out my other self, figuring out who that was. I go through the training and I realize that the girl looking back at me in the mirror after that training was more kind. She took more time with people. I was more accountable. And that just keeps happening in my life. These trials and these hardships come through and I find out more of who I am and I get more of this other self. And uh, especially these last couple of years, my dad made a good point. These last couple of years have been extremely hard on our family. Uh, I think that's why he had a little, a little pushback on being on here is because we've got a lot of emotions and we've really had to sift through what serves us in these emotions lately. Uh, oh, yeah. Trying times for sure, huh? Yeah. Um, trying? Not trying. Testing times. <laughs> testing times for sure. And uh, it's just been, it's, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride the last, there's just been a lot that's happened. I'll kind of just go through a few of them. Um, about two years ago, um, my dad's father was diagnosed with cancer. And then um, my other grandpa was being treated for um, a addiction issue. And then uh, I was involved in a really bad car accident with my grandma where uh, someone in the other car didn't make it. Um, and then I moved to a different city. I um, my Let's mention that somebody was shot and killed outside of your apartment oh complex. yeah that did happen in too that yeah, we can spend a minute on that whole I, moving um, to another city because your dad was so excited oh, for you he was to move happy to another city. he was happy he lies to you about that yeah, he did was you go there stoked. dark no no that's that's, that's back first, to right? he was going to jump up and down with you in the front yard and be so excited for you and inside he was dying i think honestly the reason he didn't come see my apartment is because he didn't want to see it <laughs> No, it was Club Med, downtown Salt Lake. Uh, Good which, times. Uh, I don't know, Club Med, when someone gets shot outside your building. Okay. I was just glad you were in school and you were burned out and you weren't still in that arena. Yeah. Well, so me and my very best friend, we moved um, to downtown Salt Lake. She talked me into it. She wanted to. On a whim. On a whim. Within two weeks. Yeah. And we got down there and it was exciting. I also was just starting a new relationship. So that was fun. I was closer uh, living to him 
And yeah, within like a month, our, our neighbor, um, was shot and killed on our elevator and, uh, my the elevator did sit, uh, directly across the room from my bedroom. So when they shot bullets ricocheted and actually went through my room and I slept through it. So, uh, but we made it and we learned a lot. Be cautious with who you're around or where you live. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And then, well, and then a week after me and Brooke were driving and I bought my first adult car and I was so excited. And then a guy ran red light and just completely totaled my car. Um, and if I, it sounds like, oh, that's so bad. And yeah, it was really bad. And I know my parents did more for me in that time than they all, they'll ever admit to. But um, if I would have been in the car I was driving all through high school, it would have killed Brooke for sure. And so I'm really thankful uh, for that because I love that girl and I don't know what I'd do without her. And she knows that. So I don't need to dive too deep into that. But and then within another couple, I mean, my dad was involved in a bad accident. Um, my grandpa passed away. My grandma was diagnosed with ALS, which is my very, very best friend in the whole entire world. Um, my grandpa ended up in the ICU for two weeks. Um, and then my grandma passed away. So, I mean, there was a lot going on in that two year frame for my family. And, um, I think I was talking to my dad about this is it was extremely hard. Um, but I always ask myself, what do I truly value? Is this what I value? And how am I showing up that aligns with my values and something that I value is my family. And when I moved, I was obviously harder to be closer to my family because I wasn't you know, I used to go over every Sunday for dinner and I couldn't do that anymore. And in a way it was God giving me a way to be closer to my family and spend more time. And, um, I got to spend a lot of time with this man and I'm really grateful for it. Despite how all the awful things that did happen, um, found a deeper version of my other self and got to be closer to my family. And I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. As you talk about all those things, the emotions and all that just come flooding back. Cause it just kept happening. It was just one more, one more, one more. Oh, and, it was a horrible cycle. But, but each one, they were just so profound. They were so, I mean, really life changing. They were all life altering. You know, how did you, how did you guys get through it? Mm. It's one foot in front of the other every day. Um, good support group. Um, as far as family, um, incredible people that I work with that I have relationships with at work. Um, they were, um, so amazing to see how they stepped up and, 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 and helped and, and kept the business going and, and kept things running while I was distracted in a way. And, and, you know, um, my dad got the fast pass, you know, I found out on my Apple watch that he died. My brother and I did at three o'clock, I think two or three o'clock in the afternoon in the deserts of Arizona, he, uh, got out, flipped some crap to his buddy and took two steps and it was over. Uh, he was doing what he loved. So I had a chance to really appreciate that. So I guess throughout this whole process, you look, um, look for those good things in the bad situation and you got to look really deep and you got to dig. And sometimes you got to convince yourself that that's a good thing. Uh, you know, so, you know, glad my dad got the fast pass and got out of there. I'd hate to watch him rot and suffer. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that turned out to be where my mom was um, with her ALS diagnosis. Uh, I'm glad my dad didn't have to see that and to watch her get, uh, and this was a woman that never stopped. 
She would crochet. She would do ceramics. She would do laundry. She would clean. She was constantly on the move. And to have her mobility taken away from her, um, there is a fate worse than death. And our family got a chance to experience that with my mom. And I recognized a lot of the time was you just spend that time with them when you could. Uh, It was really tough for me to get there. And and I have uh, guilt over the lack of time that I spent with my mom while she was in that capacity. I did spend a lot of time with her. However, um, in our interactions, we were very real with her. And she positively knew and I knew as well that I didn't have to be there at all. Uh, I, I had been there throughout my life for her and I had that kind of relationship with her where she was, she was good. Um, and whatever time she would, I could carve out, she liked it. And, uh, you know, I noticed the quickly, uh, that my family were a little twisted, um, that who flips a bunch of crap to the dying woman? Oh, we do, by the way, me and my family do. And to watch my mother respond, right. To this, uh, um, most people would never do that with their parents, especially their mother. And we were, yeah, having to drop f bombs. We were. I remember the family picture. You oh, guys took right yeah, family <laughs> picture with started, cigars yeah. and uh, just yeah. you know flipping her a bunch of crap. And that family picture is really critical to me because uh, honestly, that was the first time I got to see her smile um, after my father died was on that uh, and ironically it was around mother's day when she passed away as well and that was when we got those final pictures of her and uh and she had a blast i mean we were picking her up carrying her around the yard like a prop setting her up in the middle of it and uh she was giggling and laughing and uh taunting and uh it was just so fun to do and so in the seriousness of life do consider the fact that uh maybe it's okay to be inappropriate if i'm dying don't don't walk on eggshells around me. Um, and I, I and who wouldn't walk around on eggshells with someone's got ALS? That's horrible. And it's okay to have fun. Yeah, and and we did. And because I can say that from yeah. the outside looking in, there's one thing that I know about you guys is it's okay to have fun. It is, and we have a lot of it. We do, and it's warped at times, and that's what's so fun about it, right? Because no, that's wrong. that's you guys. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That, that is that's true. And she just loved it, and she really leaned in, engaging, and and you could see her elevate um, to a point where uh, it was okay. You know, she forgot about the fact that she couldn't use her legs. Uh, she forgot that she couldn't use her hands when we were laughing at her because she had a big piece of lettuce stuck on her tooth, and uh, and we were doing nothing but you know pointing and laughing, literally. And, uh, and we all sat there for 10 minutes and left. Mike, I got I just need to mention one thing. I never met your mom, but I know that she was a big giver. Oh Can yeah. You just add to that. Oh, big giver. Yes. So she worked and gave to the construction industry and to our company, right? Forever. Um, her real, um, gig was kids. And when she finally retired, uh, she went down to, I believe it was discovery elementary. I forget. I think that was right. And she donated her time to be with, uh, with the kids. And as a, some of the donated her time, she could do things that were against the rules that the school teachers couldn't do. And she would always take the proceeds. They would pay her a little bit of money, and she would always give that money back and donate that money. Uh, and then, of course, with IRAs and stuff at certain ages, you have to take minimum distributions. Uh, she was oftentimes giving those distributions to um, youth activities, um, literally, um, after my father's death, we were, 
um, giving quite a bit away. I think we gave like sixty or eighty thousand dollars away um, to various organizations, and she was very specific that it needed to go to something that involved kids and helped them grow. And um, she absolutely loves her poor, and she loves the youth program. She had a chance to see what it did to all of her grandkids and some other kids that she's met as well that have gone through. And she's really behind the impact that that creates with the youth, along with educational opportunities as well. Um, so she's, yeah, huge heart. Um, give, give, give was her deal and uh, couldn't be prouder. She's awesome. You know, Mesa, we were talking earlier this week about you just, you know, turned 25. Huh. Boom. Yeah, I know. Boom. 25. There it is. There's so many people listening that would die to be 25. I'm excited, but I do feel older than I ever have. Because you are. Yeah. Um, and, but the only reason I'm bringing this up is, is you said something's changed, right? There's, there's something that's changed and you had a hard time putting your finger on what it is. And if you turn around and look at what's just happened in the last couple of years in your life, it's not just an age thing. It's, it's absolutely those experiences. You've just heard your dad talk about his life experiences and some of the conflict and the challenges and, you know, his favorite saying is life shows up and, and drags you to your knees, right? On a random Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would dare say that that's the majority of what's really happened the last couple of years that's made that transition for you. Oh yeah. Well, and thank goodness for the training. Cause I don't think I would have known how to properly handle it. And who knows if I did, but I'm definitely better off because of it. Well, I know you jumped in and spent a lot of time with your grandma. Oh yeah. I loved her, love her and loved her. She was my very best friend and man, I taunted her. It was probably wrong at times. Um, I was the one, I was the one that they allowed to use and abuse her. I would throw around my shoulder and, and all 90 pounds of her. She was pretty light to throw around, but made her say the F word every time I saw her. I don't know why it just, it made me happy. And I think it, you know, it kept it light. And she, uh, is one of the biggest reasons I wanted to just give back and make a difference. So if you guys could give one gift to the listeners, just one gift, anything that comes to mind that, you know, you feel that you want to share with the audience, what would it be? You're going first. Oh, Okay. Because I know Mace's got no, she's thought about oh, this. Oh, yeah. So that's why she just threw you under the heart. bus. Um, go for it. Be vulnerable. Um, recognize that you are enough, even if you maybe don't have the experience. Uh, experience can be overcome through uh, mindset. Uh, put yourself in that right mindset. Learn to trust and, uh, you know, own your, own your shit, literally. Um, we all have good parts of ourselves and we all have parts that we don't like so much. Become friends with that part you don't like so much. Uh, and by, by no means, don't become friends with your demons. But there are things that you don't like about yourself. Have an understanding about that and recognize that that created a better you by having those experiences and going through that strife and, and whatnot. And it allows you to um, actually be more empathetic and give and to create a better impact on uh, the people around you. That's, that's an opportunity we get. We're all so unique and to those different temperaments we have, let's let those shine and don't be shy of those and accept people for what and who they are. Um, I hang out with people that are really weird sometimes and man, it's fun. I'm not into what they're into, but I'll go and check it out because they're into it. And 
hell, maybe I'll find something that I like. You know, I don't know. It's certainly different and, a, and an interesting experience. So engage with each other on your stuff. Uh, realize that you're enough. Uh, and when you get a chance and someone that you love and trusts offers you up something like this training, consider it. Beyond consider it, do it. Uh, people see things in you that will help you. Stop pushing back because you're uncomfortable and you're afraid. Step into it. Lean into the pain. Everything you want is on the other side of that anxiety and that stress and that pain. And get comfortable doing that and expanding your balloon, right? Rapport talks about your balloon expanding. Get yourself in that zone. Expand that balloon. It'll come back to normal. That's, that's important that it does. Yet you can always go back to that spot and keep expanding your horizons. Yeah, sometimes it's just time to jump out of the airplane. Yes, it is. Oh. Pile out of a plane at 14,000 feet. Why not, right? It's much safer in the plane. The irony of that whole experience that we had was uh, the Grant spoke to it, that the safety and the, well, the safety and the anxiety and the stress inside the plane, I mean, was the stress in that was over the top. The safety was much better. When we bailed out of the plane, the danger went up arithmetically and all the stress and anxiety vanished. It's gone. And uh, a lot of good things can come from that. And that was never on my bucket list. Up hang out. Now. Yes. And hang out with the right people. Had I not been with the right people, there's no way I would have climbed in an airplane. They even offered to separate us. And we said, no, absolutely not. We'll wait four or five hours if we have to. But we're going up and going down together. Well done. So Mesa. All right. Um, my biggest thing would be that you owe you, um, no one in this world owes you anything, but you do owe yourself everything. And it's time to get pretty clear on what that is, what you want in your relationships, what you want in your life, your career, who you want to be in 10 years is you're going to end up there no matter what 10 years, you're going to be looking back down the road and get in that driver's seat and choose I, who I want to be. And, um, Jenna Kutcher said it, and I think it's just so well said, is if you want people to look up to you, um, be perfect. If you want people to understand you and um, respond to you, be imperfect, be who you are. And I just, I found a lot of love um, for who I am this year and those people that show up for loving me for exactly who I am. So do that. I'm so thankful that you guys took the time to be here tonight. So thankful. Blessing. It was amazing. One thing before we go to closing, but offline, Mike, you were speaking about your friends and how things have changed. You mentioned that those friends were instrumental to your growth, but I have a quote that says you will never outperform your inner circle. So going forward, who's your inner circle and how has that impacted you? Uh, who is my inner circle? How has it impacted me? Uh, my inner circle is uh, successful, uh, driven, um, flawed people who um, get up and go for it every day. They, whatever it is, uh, I had a good friend of mine that's bald that's sitting in the room that said one day that the, you know, the secret of life is uh, being present and focusing on the now when I'm in the now. And I find that to be a real challenge. Uh, I spend a lot of time too far in the future and I sacrifice my present and he's absolutely correct that uh, when I'm golfing, golfing full in uh, when we're doing those things that we're, that we're present in that. And I, my inner circle are people that hold me accountable that uh, 
they're doing great things themselves. They're an inspiration to watch what they do. And watching that happen, it challenges and pushes me. They're givers. They're giving back to um, society, to the communities, to their families, to complete strangers. And, you know, absolutely the board of directors for Building Utah Youth has been an absolute blessing for me throughout my life, or at least the time that I've been involved with it, because these people are inspirational who show up and give of their time that most precious asset that we have um, on behalf of somebody else that they do not know and may never meet yet. Um, it's worth the give for those people, for what they will gain, for what they will give back to society and how much better society will be because of that sacrifice that we made, which the sacrifice, uh, because we're all on the board here, it's not a sacrifice. I get more than I give. And I think that's why I've been involved for so long is that I, I, why would I shut that off and shut that out of my life? Uh, I would be challenged to find a group of people like this. Uh, I don't think I could put that together. Frankly, I could get a few, but then you'd get a few that, that weren't, you know, that were, you know, posers. I'm a giver because you seem to be a giver. Um, yet they're not right. So I, I gain so much from those things. And then as you, that's what fills my cup, right? As life beats me down, I can have a chance to hang out with a bunch of people that are giving back and good. I, I definitely would tell the audience to rewind that part right there and listen to it again and, and evaluate who you're hanging out with. We love you, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Um, again, this, uh, this, this organization is incredible. And uh, I would challenge anybody to dive in. You will not be sorry. Your relationships will improve. Uh, your life will improve. You will become a giver yourself. And if you're already a giver, you're going to become a bigger giver. And quite frankly, you know, Mason and I went on team and we had a chance to experience uh, a youth class. And we had a chance to watch this young woman come in who was the most improved of that, that bunch. And while we witnessed what happened through that training, it was like watching a primrose blossom right in front of you to where literally the kids attacked her when she came in like kids will do. And she opened up and she began defending her position. And uh, the really cool thing about this young woman is I had a chance to see her a year later. Her sister was going through the training. I sat close to her in the audience where she didn't, she didn't remember me. And I watched her. And in 100 people in that audience, she was making eye contact with everybody. The training stuck. She was in and on and her life was improved. And I had a chance to witness that firsthand and how exciting that was to see her in her glory and knowing that uh, the world's going to be better and she's going to be better. And hey, we had a play a small part in uh, allowing spark. that to happen. Yeah. The spark. Yeah, we caused a fire and a good fire at that. Amazing interview. Amazing night. I just have to end with this, guys. I love you guys so much. Love you too. Yeah, it's been an amazing um, little, well, over an hour now, being able to sit down and talk with both of you a little more. Mesa, always behind the scenes on every podcast we do. So in front of the mic and thank you for everything that you do. And Mike, um, it's been an absolute pleasure being on the board with you and, you know, learning about everything that you've done and, and paid forward to this organization. Thank you both. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you guys for uh, the experience. And I love you all. And uh, I'm blessed.
to be part of this organization. Respect, integrity, passion, personal power, leadership, enthusiasm. This has been the Empowering Youth Podcast from Building Utah Youth. To become part of the 3%, visit Building Utah Youth on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on our website at buildingutahyouth.org.